0: This is The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On The Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business. What's going on in technology and what's possible for business.
1: So, Paul, I've heard a lot about this idea of cryptocurrency. seems like a lot of people have brought that category up, especially if it relates to Bitcoin. I'd be curious to know, what exactly is cryptocurrency? Uh, Can you explain what it is? What does it do?
0: Sure. Um, well, first of all, I think it's important to just take a step back and drop the word crypto and look at what currency is. Uh, if you go into your pocket and get some change or a dollar bill out, um, that's currency. Now, I'm, I'm speaking from the United States. Uh, you know, If you're in Europe, you might have uh, uh, euros or another type of currency. But if I give you a piece of currency from another country, it sort of looks like a toy. It, you don't understand what it is. You don't understand its value. If I give you a yen, a bill that's a thousand yen, you don't know if that's a thousand dollars. You don't know if it's ten dollars. You don't know if it's a penny. Uh, and the same thing, you know, um, the dollar has a has a, a bigger penetration globally, and people tend to want to trade in it. Um, so we understand, certainly as Americans, the intrinsic value of a dollar. All right. Now, one thing that's very difficult in currency as i just alluded to is the exchange of currency. You know, you've been to an airport and you can exchange your your dollars for euros. And you sort of, well, what does that mean? Or dollars for Canadian dollars or dollars for Australian dollars. Well, i'm going to give you, you know, one euro for every dollar 50 you give me. You say, "Okay." So if i wanted to go buy, you know, a can of coke, um you know, that's $2 here in America, let's say. That's sort of like one and a half euros in Europe. So that's, we're not used to um, doing that translation in our head. And so that's why it's it's very difficult for anybody to be sitting there and saying, I, uh, I do that translation. So any new type of currency, whether it's crypto, euros, you know, um, whatever it might be, is going to face the problem of how do you convert. Okay. So, and what the reason why we convert is because the institutions that back those currencies put a value on them and the world's view of those institutions puts a value on them. Um, it used to be that the United States had a currency that was based on the amount of gold it had in storage. And that was, done away with so now we are working on what's called the full faith and credit of the United States and the same thing with the Eurozone they back it and they have a certain um, tying to value and as we've heard in you know different discussions of late you know different countries can change the value of their currency and change how much goods are worth to the outside world so that they can make a, a trade advantage or disadvantage So now when we come to cryptocurrency, you say, I want to buy a Bitcoin. Well, what's it worth? Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no coin. Right. Uh, Cryptocurrency is based on the idea that it is a string of bits, ones and zeros, that is a large number that represents something. That basically represents a share of the amount of cryptocurrency that's out there. So, well, why can't I just make a new set of numbers? write down any random string of numbers and that's where the bitcoin or the cryptocurrency comes in because there's some strong math that has to be done to create those valid strings of numbers okay and when they're issued they're recorded in a ledger and they're recorded in that ledger by more than one person or really computer and so what you have is it's very difficult to get the needed numbers of people that are out there to agree that this number has been issued it's a little bit esoteric as i'm saying it and it is esoteric
1: yeah you We lost me so you have to get the you have to get people to agree to that number yes
0: exactly so the ledger so if i go and write something in the ledger okay um and say that you know uh paul has ten dollars um the people who control that ledger, because it's a public ledger, all have to agree that yes, Paul has $10. Now, that's a, that sentence is easy for us as humans to understand, but it's cryptographically significant. And what that means is that we use both private and public key encryption, a way to encrypt something that only the person that has the key can decrypt it. Okay. These r- journal records are called are stored in something called the blockchain. Okay. And the blockchain is a, is, a, is really one of the coolest inventions of the past five years or so or 10 years is, is the way to record these and have everybody do the work, the cryptographic work on these signings and record them in the blockchain and say, oh, yes, I agree with that. Oh, yes, I agree with that. So Paul said something in there with his, his cryptographic signature. And then the other people calculate that and say, yes, I confirm that. And you have to have a majority of people saying, I confirm that. Now, if you're thinking about that, and we're going at this very surface level because it gets very complicated very quickly. If I could convince more than 50% of the people that are verifying that blockchain to lie and literally take Paul has $10 and say, yep, that's valid. I have effectively broken the trust of the blockchain. In other words, I've manipulated it. Right. So I didn't have ten dollars, I just said I had ten dollars. Right. Um and you could do that. You know, there's there's a thing in computers, never say never. I mean there's there's always ways to hack things. Mm -hmm. Um it would be hard, but it's certainly not impossible. Uh it would be very hard because you've got them distributed all across the world and they're all doing this work. And that's what a Bitcoin miner does is it validates those blockchain entries. Okay among other things. Um, so, but the key thing as a, a person in business looking at Bitcoin is to really start to think of it as a different currency. Now, if you're in America, you probably don't accept euros on your website. Mm-hmm. You may not accept Mexican pesos on your website. So you said, well, why would I? Because the majority of the people that are coming here don't use those currencies and they wouldn't know what they are. And it's important to note that, you know, our, our credit card system is not designed to deal with multiple currencies. Right. Because there's never been a motivation to do it. Okay. If you go down to the, to the uh, restaurant and you want to buy a bowl of soup and it's $4, you know what $4 of value is. The minute I say that's one Bitcoin, you're like, uh, I don't know. What, what is one Bitcoin worth? And coupled with that, Bitcoin has been relatively volatile. Mm -hmm. so you know you have indications um zimbabwe over the past couple of decades has had rampant inflation so you know a a loaf of bread could have been a thousand um bits of their currency Mm -hmm. whereas yesterday it was one bit you know one one unit of their currency and so you understand that when you're going through it and it's constrained um in in the whole greece scenario I have a friend who's a developer there and sells his software internationally, and if he sells it with the Greek currency, there's all sorts of problems. If he sells it in American dollars, that's mm-hmm. relatively stable. Right. Uh, but you can check every day, you know, with the currencies, uh, the the conversion rates between Canadian dollars and U.S. dollars and euros, and, and they fluctuate. What's that fluctuation caused by? That's caused by the the banks saying how much it's worth between right. it and controlling that and the government's uh, making statements and the Federal Reserve and etc. So what controls Bitcoin's um, value? Well, it's what anybody's willing to give you. That's the ultimate judge of value. So if you have a house you want to sell and you put it on the market for $10 million and somebody comes along and says, I'll give you a dollar for it, well, it's worth a dollar. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes along and says i'll give you a hundred thousand well now it's worth a hundred thousand but that is the the ultimate definition of what value is so in the bitcoin world what they've done is there is a limited number of bitcoins that can be created through this cryptographic math and uh, in the early days the cryptographic math was very easy because it was sort of like low hanging fruit of the easy problems to solve but as we've progressed it becomes more and more difficult it's at the point now where if you're generating cryptographic um, Bitcoin uh, bitcoins, the amount of electricity that you need to do it is very close to the amount of Bitcoin value you would get out. Okay. So if you run a computer for a year um, and you know you say it cost me ten dollars to run that computer in electricity, you may get about ten dollars worth of bitcoins out. okay um, So all right so all of these things coalesce to say, what is Bitcoin worth? Well, if you look at it, they're about four hundred and fifty dollars. They, uh, you know, who knows what day we're recording this or what day you're listening to this, and it and it changes wildly. We've seen fluctuations anywhere from, I mean, just huge fluctuations. So that is fundamentally a problem with cryptocurrency, is that people don't have a sense or will not have a sense when they take it out of their pocket or use their phone of how much they're actually spending. I see. So um, if I could convince you to give me one Bitcoin for this cup of soup, uh, that doesn't sound like a lot. Well, it's worth about $450. Right. So now it's like, well, wait a minute. How do I deal with, you know, micropayments? You know, right. I have to give you point zero 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 two Bitcoins. Well, of course, you know, we do this all on our phones or computers. So they handle all of that, sort of chopping it up into bits. But you still don't know what Mm 0.0002 bitcoin is you have no concept of that right um except now you say well i'll compare it to dollars and so that's an intrinsic problem with cryptocurrency is it doesn't have any tie to the real world and people we've got you know thousands of years of dealing in the real world Right. So you could have, you know, um, you know the typical scenario where your uh, kid goes on Amazon and buys all these things thinking they're all free and it's going on your credit card. They didn't have a comprehension of how clicking the button changed to money. Right. And you look at it and you say, well, it's only $2. Go ahead and do that. That's, you know, the, the whole iPhone and um, iTunes store right. is spend a dollar. It's no big deal it really prevents you from putting that filter in to say, hey, wait, that's 10 bucks. I'm not going to spend that. Mm -hmm. You don't do the value calculation. But now when we present it as a Bitcoin or as uh, other cryptocurrency, you're going to be like, well, wait a minute. What does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. So there's some intrinsic things for it to overcome. One of the reasons that people have felt that cryptocurrency would be good is because it's hard to hack. Um, And... I, I don't know that it is hard to hack. I mean, there's been a lot of high-profile people, uh, examples of where there have been hacks of people who owned Bitcoin on, on behalf of other people. They broke in and stole it. Uh-huh. The digital signatures that represent your Bitcoin. Right. So, you know, if you take an external hard drive or a memory stick and put your this big, long cryptographic key on it in a text file, and you put that through the wash and it gets destroyed, that's gone. Okay. It can yep. never be returned. Just like if it were a dollar bill and you shredded it. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Right. You can't go back to the U.S. government and said, well, I had a dollar bill. Here's its serial number. They're going to say tough.
2: Right, right. So
0: it has those same attributes. So there's no advantage there. Okay. Um, but I will say it's probably more difficult for me to get your wallet out of your pocket and take the dollar bills out of it than it is for me to potentially hack in and get a file on your computer mm-hmm. and copy that off and use those cryptographic keys okay so there's a lot to be figured out there one of the use cases is, is it's really cool is you say i have a phone it has a fingerprint reader and i can spend bitcoins well the only way it could, it'll let you spend the bitcoin is because you scan your fingerprint well, that's good. You don't have to cut off your finger in order to to right, right. to steal the Bitcoin um, or the cryptographic currency, which isn't terrible. I could also take a scan of your thumbprint and maybe work around that. Right. It's got to be worth it. Um, if you only have ten dollars in bitcoins, why mm-hmm. did I waste my time? Um, so there there's all of these challenges swirling around cryptocurrency. The one of the other advantages that has been extolled is that it's secret or private. Right, right. And, uh, I mean, that's just patently false. Uh, the Silk Road prosecutions by the FBI used the blockchain to figure out who spent the money and traced it back to it. And then the blockchain is basically a chain of blocks of information and you can follow them through
2: Mm -hmm.
0: to figure out who has, who originated the money. Right. And if you, if you go out and try and say, I want to buy some Bitcoin, uh, Because this is one of the things I play with, is trying to figure out how to be anonymous. Right. You cannot anonymously buy Bitcoin. There is no way to do it. They want a credit card number, they want your social security number, they want everything you can. These are government mandated, or at least um, done in acceptance of a government saying something like this needs to be done. Right. Because they want to be able to come in and audit and say, well, who did you sell Bitcoin to? So if I go out there and go to anybody, I've got to prove who I am. I have to send them a, you know, a bunch of signatures. I have to send them a, a phone bill, something that's got my address on it that has mm-hmm. my name on it. This is really things that I have to do. I can't just take a credit card and buy some Bitcoin, you know. Um, so we can talk. Actually, in the future, we should have a, a talk about how to be anonymous and different right. options in there because it's a cool, it's a cool thought experiment. What's the advantage? Well, it is a one-world currency. Right. I don't know if that's an advantage. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's talk that you know the end of the world will be part of a uh, one-world currency will be one of the yeah. things. Um, well, are we seeing that happen? I don't know. Um, yeah. But it is the idea that one bitcoin is worth four hundred and fifty dollars today, right. for example, here in the United States. And in Australia, at that same moment, it's worth $450. Right. Whereas the minute I have to convert currency, it's the matter of how much somebody will give you for it.
1: Right. So, I mean, in in some ways, what you're describing sounds a bit like the Wild West of currency, uh, which I find interesting. I don't know if that's a correct application or analogy for it, but... Mm -hmm. It does seem interesting to me that in light of all those concerns and some of the positives of it, that you recently recommended an article about Bank of America and other large uh, financial industry uh, entities getting into crypto, te- uh, cryptocurrency and trying to get into the blockchain uh, dynamics of that. Can you talk a little bit about why they're trying to do that and what advantages there are for big banks in doing that?
0: Sure. Well, um, all of these flaws and there are other flaws, which we haven't talked about, um, about the scalability and about the programming in it and all kinds of things like that, sort of the soft underbelly, forget about all those. There's a lot of money to be made Mm. in any new currency. So there, any of those entities are going to want to invest and get their piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. So bank of America, um, it was Bank of America, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're they're out there saying, you know, somebody's going to make money on this. We want to have patents uh, that say when you, you know, let's make up a silly patent. Every time you convert Bitcoins to dollars, you have to do this look up on the exchange and you have to compare it with this exchange and you may arbitrage some of those exchanges. Well, we'll write a patent on that. Right. And all a patent is is a specific way of doing things, a methodology right. that isn't generally obvious uh, by just looking at it. Like a door, it would be difficult to patent a door now, uh, uh, or a hinge that uses a door. Um, But the first guy who figured out the hinge could have patented it, um, because it wasn't necessarily obvious by just looking at it. So as we develop patents, those things become obvious, and they want to stake their claim. Mm -hmm. And they they certainly have the resources to do that, and there's a sort of, you know, staking their claim, like the Old West, you know, mm-hmm. the gold claim. They're going to go out there and do everything they can because they have armies of engineers who can think up idiosyncratic ways of doing things mm-hmm. and and then patent that. Right. Now, what will happen is they'll patent things, and they will get them just as uh get those patents awarded, and what will happen is people will then come back and say, no, that's an obvious application, and you shouldn't have been awarded a patent.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: our patent system is is relatively broken uh okay. in that way but um of course they would be doing that and every every big company is doing that yeah so i mean one of the examples that uh you know i've seen being uh around is is, is so difficult to buy bitcoins why don't you have somebody buy them for you um well there's some regulatory problems there but i could start an offshore organization that said i'm going to buy bitcoins for you and hold them for you so i'm never going to transfer them to you so I'm going to put a ledger together that I own that says this Bitcoin it belongs to Jacob. He has one Bitcoin. Right. And I keep them in my bank. And this is one of the problems is that has happened is people have broken into those banks because they didn't have good security and stole that ledger. Right. And then I have some bad news for you, Jacob. Um, I know you, you have five Bitcoins stored here, but I lost the... I lost the money. I you know, right. literally lost the bills. Right. You know, uh, you know, so right. you can sue me, you know, but you know, usually these organizations aren't don't have a lot of assets.
1: What are the ways in which you have seen entrepreneurs and startups engage cryptocurrency in their business model?
0: Well, right now, given it's such an early stage, you know, very wild west. You have people that are primarily saying, "How do I get cryptocurrency how do i take it how do i accept bitcoin how do i do that um and that's where all the all the innovation is about right now uh it's not nothing really sexy it's just a matter of you know here's the thing so you you open a bookstore on the internet uh jacob's books and you go out and find used books and rare books uh all over and you you list them on your site, and you say, "Hey, here's a first edition of this book, it's $500, mm-hmm. or 1.1 Bitcoins. If you got a check for $500, or you got $500 via credit card, you'd feel fine. If you got 1.1 Bitcoins, you would feel, I'd better go cash it in right now. You see, you have a decision right. now. You can now be a currency trader. I see. You can decide to be the arbitrage person that says, hmm, based on the indicators, I think Bitcoin's going up this week.
1: Right. So I can get that and say, okay, this 1.5 Bitcoin does for today equate to $500. Right. But I could hold on to this and this book that I would have sold for 500 US dollars, I could have made $1,000 depending on how Bitcoin goes up right. in two years.
0: Right. Yes. Or it could go down. Right. So you have a huge um, thing to think about. You know, a whole mind share that you're not designed. You're not used to thinking about. You don't right. arbitrage currency. You could do the same thing with the Canadian dollar or euros. Right. Is say, pay me in euros. You right. know, because they're going up. Now, if you pay me in, uh, in Chinese currency, they're devaluing their currency. Mm-hmm. So if I gave you a hundred, um, I don't even know what the Chinese currency is, but if I gave you a hundred of their pieces of currency and it was worth ten dollars today it was a good chance in six months it might be worth eight dollars right well you would have you feel bad about that 20 percent loss on it what in the world am i doing here
1: so is it advantageous for businesses to transition their uh currency their primary currency over to cryptocurrency where it's not just static money but it actually could in effect be a bit of like a stock option slash currency as you well could,
0: you could do that i think that's um ill-advised because okay. the forces that control the fluctuation in that are very wild west right you know there could be a break in on somebody that steals a bunch and they're very volatile okay. they could go down ridiculously right um <clears throat> but
1: so then what is what are the entrepreneurial future and what are entrepreneurial future ideas for using cryptocurrency well
0: i just because it's not a great idea to use it doesn't mean people will be smart enough to not use it uh it has a lot of pizzazz and appeal right now and gee whiz uh, so i think building tools and allowing people to use uh, cryptocurrency on your website are good ideas okay uh, now you have to you know if you're You know, um, if you have a website that sells to us, you know, to to children, they're probably not going to use cryptocurrency. Right. So you do have to evaluate that and say, you know, where does it make sense? So if you look at uh, Tiger Direct accepts Bitcoin, well, what are their their clients are nerds. Right. So, you know, I buy from from Tiger Direct and I'm a nerd. So I, I can understand that Amazon doesn't accept it yet. So it oh, hasn't, hasn't okay. really moved into the mainstream. Right. Um, but that leading edge, you know, it's it's cool to do. I don't think most of the people that are running websites or commerce websites out there are going to see a big uptick in conversion because they have added cryptocurrency to their website. Right. Um, but I could be wrong. So it's it's sort of a... It's an underwhelming situation.
1: And would it be advantageous for organizations or companies that are more international, per se, rather than ones that are just uh, domestic?
0: Well, you can't. It's not a. It's not a uh, substitute for accepting local currencies. Okay. Because if you go and you say, "I'm going to expand to Mexico. I'm in America. I want to spe- expand to Mexico." We only offer bitcoins and dollars. That's not a big market. There's not a right. lot of people that are carrying Bitcoins around or dollars. So in order for me to do that, I really need to still reach out. Now, if you fast forward 30 or 50 years, that may be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it more, more than likely will uh, be some, somewhat different. The, the biggest thing with the cryptocurrencies in a proper iter, uh, iteration would be that they couldn't be manipulated. Okay. So, you know, the, the scarcity of cryptocurrency is real. There is only a certain number of coins or uh, right. of cryptocurrency that's available. And that is very much limited to that. Right. Whereas dollars um, are largely fictional. Mm-hmm. There is there is nothing stopping the U.S. government from printing, you know, if we had a million dollars in circulation, they could print another million dollars tomorrow. There's nothing stopping them from doing that. Right. What does that do? Does it change The price of a cup of soup from three dollars to six dollars because we just diluted the money supply it doesn't because we're not programmed that way as people we interface with money and say it's three dollars inflation has to happen Mm -hmm. that's a different thing where the costs change and expenses and and values change but when it's dealing with just currency uh, i can print as much money as i want with a cryptocurrency, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I can't manipulate the value of the currency relative to the world market. Right. And that's one big advantage to cryptocurrencies is it can't be manip- manipulated mm-hmm. as easily. I won't say it can't, but right. as easily as a government backed.
1: Yeah. And so for businesses, it would seem to me that potentially for established businesses, it would be risky, but worthwhile to explore the idea of cryptocurrency right now. Would it be better to wait for cryptocurrency to develop further? No, I
0: think you're going to have to have some. Uh, this is the time where you start to look at it and say, do we want to do that? The real question for a business is when you actually get a customer spending cryptocurrency, do you convert that to your local currency? Do you convert it I to see. dollars? That's the crisis. Yep. Now, you may say, you know, uh, we've got one customer who spend, who has a subscription website and it's it's a few thousand dollars. So, if somebody comes in and buys that in Bitcoin, let's say it's 10 Bitcoin, $4,500. Um, that's what it's worth today. Tomorrow it goes up to 500. They feel good. Let's cash out. But tomorrow it goes down to 30, 3, right. uh, 350. They've just lost thousand mm-hmm. dollars that's we're not wired that way in our heads. so you do yeah. need to make those decisions is when do you take and convert that money right into fungible assets in your currency
1: So it would be helpful for um, CFOs within a company to have a, a handle on how
0: absolutely uh, how this yeah. stuff works And it is um, I do think there's a huge business opportunity there. Uh, is is to be the arbitrage organization right and if you offer that with the proper insurances so you go and you get an insurance policy from lloyds of london or one of the big insurance companies like that that says we will arbitrage you know we're buying currency with using dollars and we're buying bitcoin right today we bought them at 450 oh we see it going down and they do their magic, and they, they know it's going to go down to 350 tomorrow, they would go out and buy a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Because they have also know that the next day it's going to go back up. Right. Now, they make mistakes, but they do it in such volume that those mistakes are leveled out. Right. Uh, and uh, offering that arbitrage service mm-hmm. to a small business or a business is a huge advantage. I think right. that's where the, the advantage, that's what doesn't seem to exist right now.
1: And it seems like another advantage or a entrepreneur... Asset in this area would be uh, basically training and consulting for CFOs and the financial industry in ways that they don't understand crypto tech. Uh, Absolutely,
0: I think there is an opportunity for that, but I think even more so, there's an opportunity for them for these somebody to offer. We'll take that off your plate. I see, right? Completely. Not just consulting, but just to we'll take just it away. Do it for you. Yeah, and uh, because arbitraging only works when you have vast amounts of investments. Yeah. So, if you're good at that, why not offer that, broker that arbitrage?
1: The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at saviorlabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with Copious Amounts of Coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash PD Parisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.